Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support for GigPod is brought to you by Swiss Movement. Quality watches at affordable prices. Check out their website at www.swissmovement.co and get 10% off all watches with the code GIGPOD88. Hi everyone and thanks for tuning in to the latest podcast from Glasgow's Green aka Gigpod. I'm Stevie and I've drew the short straw to, unfortunately, chat about yesterday's shambles through in Livingston for Celtic's shocking performance so as deservedly slumped to a 1-0 defeat, leaving us with a third defeat in six games. So one man who is incensed at this is Rizzo and he's with me today to talk about that game. John, are you calm now? Yes, I'm always calm when it comes to Celtic. Hi Stevie, hi everyone. <laughs> Well, you you weren't there yesterday. Oh, what did I say? You couldn't do the pod yesterday because you were raging and you'd worked yourself into a shoot. No, I didn't do the pod because I wanted to watch the Tottenham Chelsea game. <laughs> I just trapped you there, John, because you're clearly not as big a Celtic fan as what everybody in the audience thought. So you've went and just done yourself up there. I was trying to protect you, but now that you've revealed your shoot reason, we're going to have to look for a new co-host. Oh, what a pity. I'll be back to be a special guest when we finally went away from home, so... 2023 or something then. <laughs> right, well, John, before the game, this game against Livingston, it's somewhere that we've always struggled, even when Brendan Rodgers was the manager. We, we drew 0-0 there in the 18-19 season, which was a terrible, terrible game of football. A game I was at, unfortunately, and it was absolutely terrible. Was that not after, Was that not before Rangers lost 1-0 there, or was that after that? I think the Rangers game was earlier on that season, and... That was when I think Kamarnock were top of the league, or we just went ahead of Kamarnock in the league. Maybe that was like Kamarnock were dead close until like November or December that season, until I think we beat them like 5 1 at uh, Parkhead. But no, that 0 0 game was boring, and we lost there 2 0 when Christie got sent off, and we needed a last minute goal by Tom Rogic as well, just before the lockdown to get a point there. And uh, Brendan Rogers would never beat Livingston. And then when Neil Lennon took over, we lost 2 0 there, we drew 2 2. 
fortunately, may I add, before the lockdown, as you say, then last season, that to each game was was just abysmal. It really was. And it was on when Scott Brown got sent off and for the last half hour we were really hanging on against the Livingston side who, correct me if I'm wrong, played their reserves because they had one eye on the game against St Johnston, didn't they? St Murnay played in the League Cup semi. Of course. Aye. Uh, that was, uh, aye. That was, I think, we just had everybody back after a ill-fated trip to Dubai and it was snowing and we still couldn't win. And it was live on telly for some reason. And I'm just relieved that yesterday it wasn't live on telly because that would have been deeply embarrassing, even more so if it was. Livingston must be choking to actually play us every week. Now, of course, that's not possible. But if it was, John, say on a weekly basis, how many how many times do you think we'd actually pick up the three points there? I think we'd probably beat them nine times out of ten at home. <laughs> Away from home is probably more uh, 30, 70 in percentage of living because we really are terrible there. I mean, okay, we can have a bad record at somewhere like Ibrooks or even Easter Road where we've nowhere in the league for a few years, we've only won there in the Cup, but no disrespect to Livingston, but they're not a good team at all, and we just can't cope there. I mean, I don't even think it's a plastic pitch anymore, because I think we beat Kilmarnock 4-0 on their plastic pitch last season, so it's not just that, and that's three managers that have done well, went there, and nearly every time we've been atrocious, and I think yesterday was really, really poor. I mean, do you want to start talking about the game then? Yeah, just before I talk about the game, just beforehand, John, with a prediction on it, I think Spunkphone predicted a comfortable win. I thought we'd maybe be winning 2-0. They'd score and we'd be hanging on for the last five minutes, but it was anything but. But what did you think it was going to be like beforehand? Did you actually see this coming? No, I thought we'd win. But as soon as they scored the goal, I thought, oh dear, I wouldn't be surprised if we dropped points. I mean... But I, I did think we'd win, but that probably was blind faith because we've not been good at all this season away from home and that's something that has to get sorted very, very, very soon before the season just, the league season just goes down the toilet, basically. Yeah, okay, well, let's talk about the game, John. And But we went with our standard 4-3-3 under and with Joe Hart and goal. Juranovic at right back, as I said, Borley at left back. We had Stephen Welsh brought in ahead of Starfelt. And Cameron Carter-Vickers at the back. In midfield, there was James McCarthy there, with Tom Rogic and David Tumble. And then we had Yota, Ayeti and Abada back up front again in the front three. Any complaints with the team? Just a surprise, really, about uh, Ball and Goalie being back. And, I mean, we'll talk about his performance, but that was a surprise when you considered that we bought Liam Scales, who's a left-back. I thought Montgomery... I know he didn't play left back the other night, but I thought he's done well when he played this season. And I th- okay, we'll talk about it later, but it's a general point more about like a, continu- a continuity in the back four. So I was a bit surprised, but I mean, even though we had lots of injuries, we've still got a team more than good enough to win at Livingston. The big thing that stands out for me was again we had no striker in the bench, and I don't know about you, but to be into September now and to going to be going away to Livingston and being in that position is. Uh, Injury to Kyogo or not, it's a pretty dismal situation to be in. No, it's, I mean, the substitute, just, the bench yesterday really was no creativity, anything at all on it. And, I mean, as you say, Kyogo's out. I don't know what's happened to the Greek fella, or GG, as I think we should call him. Because, I mean, I think he's injured. Well, I think he must be injured because there's no way he wouldn't have been involved yesterday, even to bring him on for the last 15 minutes. So, no, but. We needed the guys that were starting the game to do the job for us because there was really nothing at all on the bench and 
that was what it proved when we brought substitutes on in the second half. Where did the game go wrong for you, John? Do you feel up until you know Livingston scored and Stephen Welsh has got to harbour the blame for that? Because I, I go through Carroll Starfelt, as you know, and I do big up Stephen Welsh, but his defending was diabolical for that goal. But before we talk about that, John, and we will come back to it, before it itself, I thought we were fairly comfortable. I mean, I don't think we were ultimately having in Livingston and I don't think we were putting them under sustained pressure but we looked you know we're playing the ball and the ball was generally near half and we didn't look as if we were struggling or toiling at any point we just looked as if we had to be a wee bit patient but that's the thing isn't it when this Celtic team has to break down teams and they have to be patient and you know as we saw against St Mirren uh, and Dundee when teams aren't making mistakes and they are a wee bit more disciplined against this Celtic team we seem to hit a brick wall after like a half hour or so and when that goal went in I remember John I, I did say to the people I was watching the game with I, I was saying that I think we we're going to struggle to come back for this as soon as it went 1-0 because that's just the, the typical way a game goes against Livingston when you're through there and I mean I think Abada and Jota have played well for us but the the tactic is constantly giving him the ball in wide areas and Putting crosses in, he won. He won striker a Jay who's no exactly brilliant in the air. Well, Livingston have loads of guys back. That was doomed to failure. And as you say, I mean, as soon as Livingston scored, it was a good goal. But Stephen Wells, that was poor defending. I mean, I don't think he's had that good a season. We'll see. Maybe in a a rather worrying situation, we'll we only seem to have one centre half who's fit that can defend, and Carter Vickers, and he's just at the club. I mean, and, and he's like had to press guide into the team and play three games in a very short space of time so that's an issue but no I mean you were right with what you said I mean it was always going to be a struggle for us to get back in the game and we really when you look at like after Livingston scored they probably created the better chances that's the most worrying part you would expect us to wear legendary fighting spirit like go hell for leather throw the kitchen sink but no I mean it was mostly useless long balls that were cleared by Olivier's defence and the midfield just didn't work either. I mean, we can maybe talk about it a bit more, but Turnbull and Rogic just don't work together at all. And I don't want to be too harsh on James McCarthy because we know he's been unfit and he's not been well, allegedly. But he was really, really bad. But no, I mean, it was a very dismal performance, really. It's probably the worst performance of Andrew's reign so far, I'd say. It was so predictable, wasn't it? See, if you watched that Celtic team there yesterday, John, and you watched a game where we've toiled under Neil Lennon, you would actually have been struggling to see what team was which. It was, you get to that last third, and you're up against, you know, I know they were wearing a black hat yesterday, but generally, you know, it's a sea of yellow and all that with Livingston, and we just don't know how to break that down. There's no, there was just no movement in that front three. And it's mad because Abada uh, and Jota are both excellent players in their own right for what we saw. They're, they're fit, they're energetic, they're creative. They know how to turn defenders inside out. But when they go to Livingston, I just don't know where it all just came apart. You can't say to me, John, it's the, you can only blame the surface for so long in a small, tight, you know, congested pitch. Because these guys, surely, um, where they've been playing before, have been in absolute dives certainly I mean in the Israeli league that John you can't be telling me the pitch every single one there um, is in pristine condition and I'm sure there they've got loads of wee tight pitches there I mean when we went to play who was it again that team in 9 under Mowbray we got beat 2-1 remind me uh, was it Hapoel Tel Aviv Hapoel Tel Aviv yeah I remember that was a wee narrow tight pitch as well John and 
I wouldn't say like Israel and and the football went over there. I don't. I wouldn't say that they're blessed with like big wide stadiums like you know Ibrox and Celtic Park and Hamden and all that as well. So that's sure where they play their trade and. I just didn't see anything at all for Abada yesterday, but then he didn't get any of the service either, and it was just utterly depressing, and it makes me wonder, John, are this Celtic team in some nick when McGregor and Kyogo aren't there, and are we a two-man team? Well, it's looking like that. I think maybe, maybe before we talk about them, we can maybe have a wee talk about like the nature of the squad, the team overall. I mean, I've seen that so far this season, I don't think we've came for a, a, a goal down to win a game. I think every time we've been behind in a game, we've lost. And that really is a warning sign. That's probably is a bigger warning sign than the actual defeat yesterday because I think even though we might have like, gave it a bit of bravado, like, we're going to go and gub them. I don't think MD thought it was going to be easy. But that is a, a concern about this Celtic team that it's like most of the team that had all that success in the last decade is gone, really. Maybe apart from Beaton, Forrest, eh, McGregor, there's probably others that are missing out. So they should, I don't know, they should maybe have like spoken to Angela like, about what game is going to face. In fact, so should Stratton and Kennedy. I'm really not sure what they are doing, really. They should have said to Angela, this is the sort of game it's going to be. What you don't want to do is play one striker. Okay, he's the only striker, but play constantly play crosses into him while Livingston's guys will just head it away. That That is alarming that we persisted with that rubbish tactic for practically the entire game yesterday. In fact, the re- only real chance we created in the second half was when Soro played a through ball a jetty and his shot was well saved. It wasn't it. That was like when we used our brains for once and actually tried to play football and nothing daft, like cross balls. But no, as you say, McGregor, I think, a lot, I think that shows how important he is. I mean, I think he's sort of uh, been a bit underrated when you consider how important he is to the Celtic team, we're just rudderless in the middle of the park without him. I mean, we just we cannot play Beaton and Turnbull together. That just can't happen again. And, I mean, we scored goals the other night, but I think Kyogo would have been excellent yesterday. I mean, he'd have caused Livingston all sorts of problems. But unfortunately, that's just what happens with teams, and we should have had a big enough squad to deal with injuries that are always going to happen, but we haven't got that at the moment. And I heard that McGregor's going to be back apparently for Thursday, and that's good. But I really hope that Kyogo's back soon, especially for Pedodri. I mean, okay, people will maybe want him back for Bayer Leverkusen or the Dundee United game. I think that's a too early, but we really need him back for Pedodri. I can't believe this, but I'm actually concerned about us playing Aberdeen at Pedodri for once because. I've not got any faith in this Celtic team going there and winning, and that's. I think we maybe we could win if we've got McGregor and Kyogo back, but for they two, I don't know about that. For what I saw yesterday with Dundee United, although I don't think they're a great team whatsoever, they could be very hard to beat, and they could be quite resilient at Celtic Park, and we've got them after Rafe Rovers and then before Leverkusen, so I think that's something we'll get to Petodri neither the time. I agree with what you're saying, but I think Dundee United will be a better. Not saying a tough ask, but potentially a tricky fixture for us. This, the away game stuff has to be sorted like as soon as possible because we've got three really tough away games coming up in the next month. Uh, Petaudry, Fur Park, Easter Road. And if we don't get nine points for the aim, then forget about it. Thanks for that there, uh, good fellas. Donny Brasco. <laughs> oh, it is Donny Brasco, of course. Uh, it's, uh, who says that again? Is, it's Donny, Donny Brasco. Donny Brasco, aye. 
Oh no, it's the it's the the guys when they're talking to Johnny Depp. Like, I think oh, I introduce him. Aye. Mm-hmm. Well, just a love how this turned into IMDb podcast there. But uh, <laughs> Donny Brasco, nineteen ninety seven, great film. Check it out. Also directed by the guy that uh, I think Golden Eye for weddings or for a funeral or something for a funeral and a funeral was it not? <laughs> right, get back to Celtic. Right, aye, I will. Anyway, Christ, talking about the Livingston game, like one of the things I was thinking, John, was how yesterday. I wouldn't have played a 4 3 3. I would have personally, you're not going to get a lot of width at that park. So I would have been flood. The problem is, I'm saying flood the midfield, right? And maybe play five in there to actually nullify Livingston and stop them getting any space because you know what they do. As soon as they get the ball, so in midfield, it's just a, a rushed lump up the park to the sides so that um, they can play it to, I think it was like Williamson and Penrice, and they were just sort of getting the ball in first time, and that's where they got one of their goals from yesterday. But it's all right me saying that, saying flood the midfield and stop Livingston, you know, playing and getting any space whatsoever. But when you look at that midfield, you're like, well, who's the five would have maybe played in there? Rogic, McCarthy, Turnbull, Sorrow and Beaton. And even then, like, between them all, there's they bring something individually, but they five just when they gel whatsoever and... It's like the three we've got with Rogic, McCarthy and Tumble John. There was no communication between them. There was no, there was just nothing between them at all. Like they didn't look as if they were comfortable playing together. It does genuinely look like Callum McGregor is the man in there in the middle that makes them all tick. And if you take him out, that Celtic midfield, like John, we were saying, we're, uh, we're in ball if McGregor goes, uh, if he's injured or suspended or fatigued or whatever. You take him out that midfield and it's dead, dead average, isn't it? It's poor and it shouldn't be. I mean, Tom Rogic has been good this season but I mean he's been off the boil for a lot of his Celtic career after a brilliant first couple of seasons but on his day he's a great player Tumble, I mean one young player a year last season in a poor Celtic team, he's scored I think five goals this season on his day he can play well but on his day he's poor and McCarthy I feel a bit sorry for because I mean he was really bad yesterday but I don't want to judge him too harshly but no it is poor and as you say, it is really bad that McGregor seems to be the only guy that's consistent every week and we can depend on and is actually the guy that glues the team together. I think we hoped maybe like Sora would be that kind of player, but I just think he's maybe no, no that really good a player either, to tell you the truth. I mean, he's decent, but nothing more than that. And if we had played five in midfield, that would have been probably an even worse watch than it was because none of the midfield really would have done much, would have like Sorrow, Beaton, McCarthy or sort of playing around each other would have been dreadful. But we're really missing players badly. That's the that's the main thing. I just don't understand, John, why every Celtic manager that goes to that pitch plays with width. Because <laughs> it's been proven that our wingers there get no joy whatsoever. Well, that's what I said. Why do why did Stratting and Kennedy not say something? Why did they not say to Ange, this is where we need to play? I mean They've been part of the last season. Kennedy was part of the Rogers eh, staff when we drew there. So he used to say to Ange, don't do that. And Ange still went, okay. <laughs> and then we done it. So, no, played with worth it. In fact, the worst thing about it is Livingston got a guy booked in the first minute of the game and we didn't like, run at him to try and get him a second yellow card. I mean, how naive is that? We should have been all over targeting that guy to try and get him a second yellow and we didn't do it. I mean, how often does a player get booked in the first minute against Celtic? Very rarely. And we didn't take advantage of that. That really was 
that was really nearly shambolic as a performance that we never tried to sort of. They had, I think, three yellow cards in the first half. We didn't like target their player to try and get them a second yellow. That's what a smart team would have done. But unfortunately, this Celtic team doesn't seem to be very smart now. Nope, and several Celtic teams before the Celtic team haven't been either. But John, if we can move on now, we and you had a disagreement because you seem to think that it's going to be a bridge too far for us to win the league this season. I would normally agree, but I think we are very lucky because Rangers, who drew yesterday with Motherwell at home, are in utter shambles and they are nowhere near the team they were last season. I think that's the only saving grace that we might have a chance of winning that league. I think it's going to remind me of a lot of like 97, 98 perhaps, where you had two teams desperate to lose it and it went to the last day and it was a case of who was the, the least crap team. And I say that with the greatest respect to that 97-98 team who John, me and you remember fondly, of course. But that really is the truth, wasn't it? But you don't agree with me in this one. You reckon uh, this is going to be a bit too much for this Celtic team to win that league? If we don't sort out the away form, yes. And I know you say the Rangers are a shambles, but what does that say about us? I mean, I don't think they were never going to play as well as they did last season. And I don't think they've started the season well, but they're still four points ahead of us. And they did beat us. And a game that we bigged up Celtic beforehand, we didn't play well at all. And unless we sort their way for it, then I think the title will be over well before Christmas because this Celtic team cannot keep dropping points in the road. I mean, I know, I know we all want to give Ange a chance, and we will, but Celtic cannot lose three of their first six league games. It just can't happen. It's already happened in a sort of a diddy team, but it can't happen with Celtic. Probably couldn't happen with Rangers either. I mean, if the same thing had happened with him, their fans would probably be furious. And I know we're saying he had a chance and he does deserve a chance, but unless things improve rapidly, then it's going to be a bridge too far because four points is a big gap. And if, I'm sorry I bring it back to Pataudry, but I need to. But okay, look, before that, look, they're playing Dundee on Saturday, right? We're all pal T. Kate Griffiths. And I, re- I really don't think that then they are going to beat Rangers, let's be fair. I mean, I watched a bit of that game yesterday and they weren't very good. So that'll be seven. I, I thought they were the better team, but in the first half against Dundee United. I know, but I still can't see them beating Rangers. I mean, let's say Rangers win, that's seven points, right? So that's already huge pressure on us for this game against Dungeon United, which you already said is going to be a tough game. So let's say we do win that and it's four points. Then we'll, then we're going to Pataudry. Again, a place where we didn't win last season and with this terrible away record. If we'd, if we'd managed to win yesterday and got that away win, it would have been a huge statement and we couldn't do it. And that's why I think, I know what we're going to say was like, when we've done like the first podcast about Ange and this season, we were like, oh, it's a transitional season. I mean, Ange will get time. That's not going to happen. If we start dropping more points in the road or even, let's say, don't win on Sunday, there's going to be huge pressure on Ange and that's a shame because I think he is a great guy and I think Celtic do play great football at times under him but that's just the way it goes at a team like Celtic you can't afford to lose three of your first six league games it's pathetic really Well John let me talk to you about away games and specifically the 3rd of October now that's when we play Aberdeen at Pataudry the 3rd of October John was also if you remember our terrible run and our rush to get a away result it actually ended Back in the 98-99 season, where I want to draw some parallels, Celtic never won away in the league up until the 3rd of October 1998, when they beat Motherwell 2-1 at Fir Park through goals from Harold Bratback and Paul Lambert. But before that, 
We in that Vengloss season, of course, John, new manager, fairly obscure name who a lot of fans were incensed with because we didn't get the big heavy favourites a lot like, you know, Postacoglu. Although it has to be said that Ange has won the fans round far quicker than Dr. Joseph did. Anyway, if we talk about the results up until we beat Murrable in that season, we lost 3-2 away to Aberdeen. Shambolic game that you were at, of course, John. Uh, we lost, sorry, we drew one each with Dundee away. We got a respectable 0-0 draw with Rangers, a brilliant performance, and we really should have won that. And then we drew two home games before we finally won away from home. But yeah, that was weird. I mean, that that's the parallels I'm getting from it. Well, I suppose a slight difference is that at home that season, we were pretty ropey. I mean, before we won our first away game, we drew with Kelly, we drew with Hearts, and we get, we get beat at home off St. Johnson. So there are some parallels there go. Maybe that's a sign. The 3rd October, the away run, will actually beat Aberdeen. A miracle. But, and as you said, I mean, we had a respectable nut on each draw at Ibrox. We should have won that game. That game at Pataudry was just a weird game where we had three penalties and we missed two of them. Reggie Blinker scored a Extremely bizarre own goal. No, there are there are parallels, but unfortunately, as you might remember, we didn't win the league that season, and Doctor Joe ended up leaving. But what I also want to say, John, is that season we got our act together. It brings me on to my other point, which is that season we got our act together, but it was like a week before Christmas, and it was already too late up against that Rangers side. I don't think this Rangers side this season or anywhere near as good as that one that was managed by Dick Advocate in nineteen ninety nine. Point being, however, we can't afford to just start getting that act together around about Christmas time. It really has to start, as I say, for the Dundee United game onwards, we're going on a consistent run. We, we, when you look at what's at stake next season and you look at the potential assets that could be away if we finish second and we don't win that league, that's why we can't be waiting to hit form until late December like that season because it's it has to really start as soon as possible. Well, OK, well... Right, they were never going to sack Dr. Joe that season, right? And I mean, we did run about Christmas, like get our act together. Like, after Christmas, I think we won nine games out of ten. And in fact, if we'd beat St. Johnson before we'd get beat at Lowe's Elite Terrain, there's only been one point in it going in that game. But do you think, just rhetorical question, if this terrible away form continues next month and we don't get nine points for nine? for the uh, Aberdeen Motherwell and Hibs games do you think that they'll think about sacking Ange? He can't afford any more slip-ups because I did I did honestly think that the way this season was going that Rangers were still going to run away with it and we it was going to be a case of us at least catching up with them not falling behind like with 20 odd points like we did last season but at least keeping pace with them but it, as it's turned out this season Rangers in order to stay top of the league haven't had to play great at all if played maybe one decent game of football and that's it and they've managed to beat us without playing well and that is a worry but it's more than likely John isn't it that that question is going to get asked if we don't sort that away form out as you said earlier we really need to take nine points out of nine from Pataudry, Fir Park and Easter Road and that's going to be a very difficult thing to do because better Celtic teams and better Celtic managers John have failed to do that and I don't think Angie's Celtic side is better than like Brendan Rodgers, even the eighteen nineteen one. I wouldn't say it's at this point better than Neil Lennon's nineteen twenty season either. What about you? Do you agree that the two teams that I've talked about are probably better than Angie's one so far? Yes, they are better. They won the league. <sighs> this is going to sound mad, 
but I mean the the team started last season far better than they did this season. Like, I think we won like maybe our first eight games. Is that right? Or we won like seven of our first eight games before that defeat against Rangers. Just sort of we won without playing very well. A lot like Rangers are doing this season. They're winning games without playing well whatsoever. Um, and that's they reminding me of us last season. But while it's not happened from them this season, the fact is they're still top of that league. Um, and we could sit here laughing at them and gloating about how shite they are, but we're not in a position to do it now when you look at our form. And it really has to pick up starting for Thursday. I know Thursday against Rafe Rovers, but me and you don't feel like there's going to be any problems. And realistically there, John, I think a big win. Um, is what's needed to give that team a bit of confidence heading into this run that we've got on. I don't really think any result on Thursday. I mean, if it's a two or three nothing. I mean, I think even if we've been like six or seven nothing, which is possible. I mean, I don't think that would change a lot of opinions about what's happening. I, just one brief thing: as you say, that Rangers know how to win when they're not playing well. This Celtic team doesn't. They don't know how to win when they're not playing well. Look at yesterday. We didn't play well. Couldn't they win. Yesterday was a game that we really needed to learn how to just win scrappily. An OG in the last minute or a deflect to go in the first minute and see it out. All that mattered was the three points and we failed to do that. We even failed to pick up a point and the fucking Neil Lennon's team manages to do that there. Aye, it's the manner of the performance. It's the the most worrying aspect. If we'd done what old Celtic teams had done and like been denied by hitting the bar or the post or the goalkeeper was brilliant or it was a good old referee denying us, then we could say, oh, okay, it was one of these days. But it wasn't he. All right, Fred Dust. <laughs> Have you got your red cap on? The warning signs after yesterday are really flashing for me. That really was very, very poor. And when they heard him get it sorted. <laughs> I know we're talking about this Aberdeen game non-stop, but it's nearly as big as a trip to Ibrox now. That's how big this game's going to be and we're playing Leverkusen three days before that's not going to help we really 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 must be a no very good Aberdeen side at Pataudry to prove a point listen this has been a bit of a gloomy affair but do you know whose birthday it was today yes the king of Celtic Park Henry Larson Henry Larson's 50th birthday John the greatest footballer you've ever seen at Celtic Park when it comes to Celtic yes he was uh, fantastic especially when you consider that terrible leg break he had and he came back for him was better than ever just a fantastic fantastic player and there's somebody that definitely deserves a statue at Celtic Park <laughs> right okay well before we go then John give me your favourite Henry Larson memory on the big man's birthday probably his performance in the, the league the, the league cup final the UEFA cup final that was just phenomenal it was like a one man team like I mean, because Porto, people want to really, might not remember, but Porto were really a much better team than us that night. But we managed to get them extra time and battle them all away, thanks to Henrik. I mean, they two headers were fantastic, and that just showed how to everybody watching, not just the Celtic fans, how good a play he was. That's one of the best Celtic performances I've ever seen, and just a pity that we ended up losing it the way we did in extra time. But no, his performance in uh, Seville was sensational, but sure. Biggest or favourite Henry memory? John, the chip goal, of course, in the 6 2 game is the default Henry memory, but I wanted to talk about something a wee bit special to myself before we sign off. And it was the three, do you remember three each game against Rangers in 2002? Yes, I do. Yes, well, Big Rab made a couple of unforeseen blunders. Yes, not like him, but it was on the good old BBC back in the days. It really was the Halcyon football days. Anyway, 
I remember we went one 0 down thanks to aforementioned Robert Rab Douglas's mistake, and we didn't look like we were going to get back into the match. Rangers were defending resolutely, and they looked as if they were going to take a couple off us. I think McCann and Alvaladze were just giving us so much bother. We looked like we needed some sort of miracle, John, and then like ten minutes before half time or something. As I said, we were just toiling and huffing and puffing. Momotala whips in like a hopeful cross and Larson somehow just like picks it up. The ball's in the air and he manages to swivel with his left left foot and puts it past Stephen Claus, who, as we remember, John, was not an idiot of a goalkeeper. He was uh, a very decent goalie for them. I, I, the way that he, he hit that was just unbelievable and it brought us right back into the game. And I think if we lost that one, that wouldn't have went down to the wire and it wouldn't have... You know, been such a, a hectic season where it could have been anyone's, but it was such an important goal and the technique and the occasion of it was just unbelievable. It was one of my favourite goals and I could watch it time and time again. Yes, I know how the season ended up, not to champion about glorious failure and all that. It's a weird one, isn't it? Because even though that O two O three team won nothing, they're one of the best Celtic teams I've ever seen in my lifetime and just that goal for Henrik was my other than the, the Boa Vista moment and all that, it was definitely my favourite moment, John. It was just a, a wonderful goal. Got to mention as well, after he broke his jaw against Livingston, he came back and scored against Liverpool after, I think, two minutes. His last game at Ibrox as well, he scored a header. His last like, competitive game, he scored twice in the cup final against Dunfermline. The goal against St. Johnson, he wouldn't have won the league for the first time in 10 years. I mean... So many goals, so many memories. Sailors should bring out like a Blu-ray extravaganza or something, all Henry's goals, and it would sell tons to think back to the, the good old days when Celtic were near losing to Livingston. I don't even think Henry ever lost. Oh, he missed a penalty there once. I remember we drew not on each. Was that also, John, David Fernandez sort of days? Did we sign him back then? Signed him the season after. Gary, Bo- Gary Bowling got sent off for kicking Jackie McNamara in the box. And uh, it was the year they just got promoted and Henrik missed a penalty with Rune on each, but he scored a couple of Livy, so he more than made up for that. Scored scored everywhere. But no, just a brilliant, brilliant player. Many happy returns to him when he's 50th birthday and hopefully be at Celtic Park soon. The next time, uh, they, I don't know, inspire the team. Maybe he should give you the team talk the next time we've got a big game. Or the next time, but he should phone the team before we go to Pataudry and say, listen... I scored a load of goals up there. They're crap. Here's what you do. Memorable words to live by, John. Thank you for that. <laughs> All right, we're going to end that there. That really, <laughs> truly was uh, an exceptional team talk, John. And just imagine it. Just just imagine it in a Swedish a Swedish accent. There you go. It all makes sense. <laughs> if they can't get a hold of Henry, hopefully Ange can get a hold of you on the pod phone and say, here's some inspiring words to live by. And Wait! What? John Henderson can do it. Right, well, if anybody wants to give you like, some inspiring words to live by, it's Gigpod special guest, John Henderson, who we need to give a big shout-out to, because last week, with Peter Wright, he won the World Cup of Darts for Scotland, and he got a hero's welcome when he went back up north, so well done to Hendel, he was a great guy to interview, he's the nicest guy in darts, and can't believe that we've spoke to a world champion in Gigpod. Well done to Big John, in fact, he should beat Celtic Park with the... Uh, the World Cup of Darts trophy, parading it at half time in my opinion, so hopefully Celtic sort that soon. Right, so John, here's one then. In tribute to John Hendel Henderson, should Celtic start coming out to the wonderful status quo's 
rocking all over the world in tribute to the big man. We should at least once. I wish I'd get him at Celtic Park and all. Uh, parading about with a trophy and his World Cup medal at half time. He deserves that. Would they do a job up front? Better in defence, I think. There we are. A rallying call to arms. John Henderson, step forward and save Celtic like you save Scotland from being an absolute disaster of a nation and give us some pride this season. Is that a good rallying call there for him, John? As hopefully the, the Highlander hears it and he'll be winging his way to Celtic Park with that trophy soon. Right, well, here we are then. This has been episode 68 and I'm Stevie. Cheers for putting up with myself and John lamenting yet another loss at Livingston. There's a lot of L's there. We'll be back likely after the Dundee United game, I would say. It will be, I don't even know who it's going to be in this occasion, John. It's a, it's like a lottery these days with who is on the gig pod mics. I know, I mean, we'll probably not do a Wraith episode unless there's some catastrophic result, but no, we'll be back after the Dungeons United game, folks, we hopefully get another home one to talk about. So, thanks everybody for listening, you know where to get us by now, leave us the usual five stars, the positive reviews, well, doing well download-wise, I've been told by Stevie, so thanks everybody for downloading us, listening to the podcast, sorry you had to hear a Another miserable episode this week, but until Celtic can win on the road, they'll continue. But if John Henderson can win win on the road, Celtic can. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll speak to you soon, and hail hail. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.